This is Temple in Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. Yes, welcome into Temple and Heilprin. We're live at Monk's Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie as usual. Jesse, welcome. Glad to be here, Zach. We are getting ready for a trip down to Champaign. You're going tomorrow, correct, obviously? I always make it a two-night stay on the road. I don't know what anybody else is thinking when they don't. So, Little Birdie said that you may be playing golf. Is you going to be playing golf? You're not playing golf tomorrow? No. Nobody said that. What Birdie told you that? Well, I, I, heard you may be, I heard you may be playing golf. No, not this time around. Why not? Just won't have an. I'll get there too late. Okay. It, it's too bad the sun goes down at 6. I'd like it to go back a little bit and it goes down at 9. I'd sneak a few in. Yeah, I get you. I, I get it. I get it. Uh, so, Wisconsin will take on Illinois on Saturday afternoon, 2.30, looking to bounce back, obviously, from what uh, <laughs> happened or maybe didn't happen against Iowa last Saturday at Camp Randall, losing that one 15-6. Illinois, on the other hand, coming off a big win, going out to Maryland and getting a win that I think a lot of people weren't expecting. I believe they were a double-digit underdog in that one. They are not a double-digit underdog in this one. Wisconsin, just two-and-a-half-point favorites. The, I think it's the tightest game. I mean, I... Point spread-wise? Point, point spread-wise this year, for sure, right? Because yeah. I think they were I think they were five-and-a-half, six-point favorites out at Washington State. Well, I can tell you it's the tightest game in this series since 2008. Shout-out to Odd Shark, which provides all the information. And you, you hooked me up with that website. I definitely was looking at that. I think it speaks a lot to where people think this Wisconsin program is, but I know we'll get into the yeah, we will later. Yeah, we're going to get into a ton of that. Uh, we'll c- coming up a little bit later in the show. Uh, we'll hit on uh, overreaction or no. We'll get uh, some preview, and then uh, we'll make our week eight picks week eight already uh jesse and i both had solid weeks three two and one weeks again jesse's still up by five games overall 23 15 and four that is a hell of a record to start this season when i do this and i see the record every week it makes me wish i put actual money on some of these <laughs> and games. as soon as you do i will lose yeah so again we are at monks in sun prairie jesse got done with his normal meal what was it uh brisket sandwich sweet potato fries I actually got some sweet potato fries still sitting there you're going to finish those, obviously. I ran out of time before the show started. Yeah. Otherwise, I would have. I'm a creature of habit, so if I find <laughs> something I like, I just keep going back to the well. Uh, we love it here at Monk's. Uh, it's getting even better here at Monk's. Next, uh, I think the Monday the 30th, they are going to be starting trivia out here every Monday from, uh, I believe, starting at 7 o'clock. I know you're a big trivia guy. I love it. We'd I love lo- trivia. would love to be out there on Monday nights. I'm kind of like the sports guy. You know, if you have a trivia yeah. team, you have to have one category. Right. And I always feel awful when they ask the most random sports yeah. question about, like, the Tour de France, and I don't know what it is, and they say you're supposed to be the sports guy. Yeah. No, so you remember the thing, like, a Damon's? They used to have, like, the uh, these little... I don't know what they were called. Like, little computerized things, and you would just push buttons, and, like, it was up on the screen. Do you remember those? No. Uh, do you, no one else here? All right. Like you were playing against people from all over the country. Okay, so it was like a, it was like a sports bar, and you were playing. Oh, I know what playing you're against about. people. You know what I'm saying? Gotcha. Yep. Yeah. Those, Didn't want to leave you out to dry. Yeah. But now, do you understand? What, now you get it. Okay. All right. Those I lo- we used to do that all the time, uh, like in high school and in early college when that was still a thing. It's not so much a thing anymore. So, either way, time to get into uh, a little football. We have not mentioned the name of the coach that is going to be going up against Wisconsin on Saturday. His name is Brett Bielma. He uh, ha- had some success here at Wisconsin. A little bit of success at Wisconsin. Won three Big Ten titles. Final three years at Wisconsin, won Big Ten, uh, three Big Ten titles. I believe he's the second all-time winningest coach, or is that now Paul Christ? 
most wins might be uh, might have ended up the same, yeah. right? It, it was they were right around each other. I think it, I think he may have passed Brett. It's it's irrelevant. Yeah. However, what's not irrelevant is I, I was thinking about this this week just because obviously uh, Wisconsin's program has gone through quite a transition here in the last year. They went under quite the transition in 2013 when Gary Anderson came in and uh, I know you were covering the team when Brett was there and then obviously when Gary took over I was I did not start until the fall of 2013 actually covering the team I was here obviously but um, I was kind of thinking like what would have happened if Brett Bielma did not leave Wisconsin and I for Arkansas obviously it did not necessarily go the way that he probably was thinking it was going to go he was went down there wanted to win championships but I'm wondering what Wisconsin's program would look like today, 10 years after he left, I guess almost 11 years after he left. What would this program look like? Well, before I get to that, I have to answer the question of who ended okay. up with more wins. Surprisingly close, almost identical. So Brett went 68-24 and 24 here overall, and Paul went 67-26. and 26. And isn't wow. it fascinating to think about near-identical records? And yet, when Brett left, he had Wisconsin in a Big Ten championship game. Not a particularly good Badgers team, but left sort of on a high note, and, and Paul ended up losing his job because they had three bad years. I thought it was amazing that Luke Fickle brought up that team on Monday. The, the oh, you, you guys went to that Rose Bowl, you know, when he went six and six. I'm yeah. like, and who was on? Who was the coach of that Ohio State team that year? How did you? How did you remember that one? Oh yeah, it was you because you also went six and six, and did not obviously get to go to a bowl game and didn't get to win the Big Ten. Penn State was, uh, no, no, excuse me, excuse me, that was the year before. Yeah. That was the year before the 2011 year uh, when they beat Wisconsin, obviously. 2012, he was the defensive coordinator for Ohio State when they went 12-0 and and unable to do anything because of the, was it the tattoos still? Was yeah, it something it the tattoo gate? Yeah. Something like that. So ridiculous when you look back at it 10 years later and what you can get for money now. But for you, yeah. in terms of what happened in 2012, the end of 2012 and 2013. If it doesn't happen, what does Wisconsin's program look like now in your mind? It's an interesting hypothetical, which obviously never would have happened because there's no way Brett would be going into almost year 20 here as the head coach, I think. By the time he left, it was clear that he wanted something more. He was in right, Barry's shadow. He but this is all this Barry, but let's alternative, just assume, alternative right. history. So let's just assume he I mean, was Kurt here. Ferentz has been at Iowa for how long? That is correct. And, and one thing you can say about Iowa is it has maintained its identity over... 20 plus years now you can debate whether that identity is (laughs) worth its salt particularly offensively but they know what they are they play sound defense they happen to have amazing special teams players the best punter in the country frankly um but i think that's what wisconsin would have my question would be what would the ceiling look like under brett bielema now we know 2010 2011 those are to me the two greatest offensive lines wisconsin has ever had just tremendous I think the, the ability to keep the best players in the state would have been something that maintained. But in the changing landscape of college football, if they had stayed the same, I don't know what that ceiling would have looked like. Maybe they would have won one of these Big Ten championship games that the Badgers ended up going to because when Paul Chris took over, did a lot of the same types of things that Bielema did and obviously Barry Alvarez did. So what would it look like? I think they would have consistently been a good and maybe occasionally great team, which is kind of what we saw over the last decade or so. It's just that right now Wisconsin finds itself in a spot where it's essentially starting over and hasn't met the expectations, which obviously the players didn't set, but it's just taking longer than people would have wanted. So better off or worse off if Brett Bielma had stayed? Better off right now this year. 
better off over the last decade. Boy, I mean, obviously, obviously they they have that huge Orange Bowl win that uh, is the greatest win in program history, according to Jesse Temple. Not the greatest win in program history, (laughs) but I know you love to point out any bowl big victory that isn't a Rose Bowl. Uh, it's hard for me to say that that five-year stretch that Paul had, like Wisconsin, would have done better. Better, better would have meant a Big Ten championship, and maybe. Well, but, I mean, they, he got into three of them, right? Yeah, right. He, would he have won one of them? I mean, he never lost one. He won the, he won the first two. Yeah. Brett Bielma just could coach big games. <laughs> um, maybe they should bring in Brett Bielma and have him coach those games instead of Paul Christ. I guess the question I would wonder is, would it have gotten to the point that it did with Christ, where you had diminishing returns and... Because, again, those first five years under Paul, I'm like, I would take Paul over Brett. I mean, he was sensational. They were in the college football playoff hunt for a couple of those years, and as we know, at midfield with an opportunity to break into the top four. But we saw what happened these last three years. I, I don't think something like that would have necessarily happened under Brett, but we're, this is complete speculation, and there's no actual way to know. The biggest unknown, though, is what did Gary Anderson bring with him, other than amazing uniforms? A 3-4 defense with Dave Aranda, which endured. And what did Paul Chris lean on yes. for those those first five years that he was you know, knocking it out of the park? I think that's a great point, So 3-4 defense. I, I think that probably has to at least enter into our minds. Now, Matt Canada, obviously, was the offensive coordinator in, in 2012, He's, he is not a very well-liked guy at this moment. He is. Do you know where he's at right now, Jesse? Couldn't tell you. He is, at, he is the Pittsburgh Steelers offensive coordinator, and they are not good. And they, they like, have chanted, fire Canada. <laughs> so, I mean, obviously, obviously um, what, what happened there with the defense, I don't know that it's something that would have happened for Brett, whether they would have played defense at that level. And then if he's not playing defense at that level, then you have to play offense at a, at a different level. And they didn't do that for a majority of Paul Chris' tenure as the head coach. It's a fun hypothetical. <laughs> I don't know the answer, but it's interesting to debate. You can't, you can't argue the results that Brett had when he was here in those seven-plus seasons. And you can say, well, it was built on the back of what Barry Alvarez started and handed him a great team. They went, what, 12-1 and one that first year? Yep. They ended up beating, uh, I believe it was Arkansas in the bowl game. They did. But, um, man, to sustain it for another decade? Would have been interesting to find out. Yeah, they went 12-1. and The only loss that year was to Michigan on the road. Michigan and Ohio State ended up playing in the game of the century that year when they were both they were both undefeated. And uh, Ohio State won that one and then went to the national championship game and got absolutely housed by Florida. Tim Tebow's Florida, which they did that documentary on Netflix. I don't know if you saw that. Did you see it? You haven't seen it yet. Started started to watch it. I think I saw the first of the episodes, and, then you, uh, and was not a fan of it. I don't know what happened. Life, <laughs> life got in the life, way. Life got in the way. Did you like it? It was fine. I, I, it didn't delve into all the issues, exactly. all the problems. That it was not. It's not a true documentary. Exactly. Because if you're going to have these people get on board, there's sort of an understanding of what you will cover and won't cover. Unfortunately, right. yeah. And like the Johnny Manziel doc- documentary, it, it was interesting, and he was very. I think honest but there were certainly things missing yes for sure but that happens um one more uh this is not uh, alternative history or going back or looking you know at what would have happened right now whose future would you rather have wisconsin's or illinois i know this has been a disappointing start to the season under fickle but i absolutely would like wisconsin's future in I don't know if I would have said this if Illinois was coming off a year where it won the West and was playing the way that it did because let's they not forget, 
the Illini, in beating Wisconsin, then went on to win six consecutive games and were in the driver's seat to win the Big Ten West, go to the conference championship, then they lost three consecutive games that ended up being Purdue. I believe they peed down their leg, is what you would call it. <laughs> you could say that. And they haven't been particularly good this year, the Maryland victory notwithstanding. They're last in the Big Ten in total defense. I think they're 12th in the Big Ten in scoring defense. So that's not to say Illinois can't get back on track in the long term, but I, I just think that Wisconsin brought in a coach whose credentials at Cincinnati are incredible, and while it hasn't happened right away, to me that doesn't mean that it won't happen with a few extra years here in the system. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm not going to bury, and we talked about this on the camp, I'm not going to bury Luke Fickle after six games. It would be ridiculous to do so, even though I understand why fans are reactive and disappointed. Yes, I, I get that. If you want to be upset with Mike Trestle, you want to be, hey, Phil Longo isn't doing what he uh, said he was going to do, Okay, I get that. I, I understand that. But the, the the money that's being put into this program, the effort that's being put into this program, I mean, let's be, let's be fair about it. They have a, a top 25, as right now, recruiting class. They are going to hit the portal hard again. It has not worked out the way they wanted it to this year, but I think the future of the program certainly is, has, to be, has to be brighter than what is going on in Champaign because it's still Champaign. And until they can start recruiting the state of Illinois, like Brett putting up a wall around it, that's not going to be the case. And he hasn't yet done that. So I think it's going to be really, and I don't think he's going to be able to. I don't, first of all, I don't think in Wisconsin it's going to be able to happen again either. I just, there's just way too much exposure for these kids uh, getting out there, allowing bigger schools to come in and, and, uh, and recognize guys earlier in their career and get into them. I know we've talked about that a bunch, but I, I, I look at, I don't see Illinois being able to do that. Without them being able to do that, I don't see them being able to be long-term successful. Um, but, again, Brett is good when he has a quarterback, and they don't, I don't think they have a very good quarterback right now in Luke Altmaier. Right. He's I mean, thrown he's, nine interceptions and eight touchdown passes, he's, which he, is not going to get right. it done. I mean, what they had last year in the, the transfer from Syracuse, whose name is it was an Italian. Tommy DeVito. Tommy DeVito. Uh, was great for them. He was not going to turn the ball over. He wasn't going to make a lot of mistakes. He was going to get them into the right play. Luke Altmaier is not it. Um, now, he's a very good runner, and I think he's going to be a test for them on Saturday. But future-wise, he needs a quarterback, and he doesn't have it right now. And um, the transport can change that on a year-to-year basis. And the defense, what they had last year, is not there now. You mentioned right. it. What they're doing with Aaron Henry, who I loved, uh, was actually the first player ever. I think I mentioned this on, this, on the camp. First player I ever talked to uh, in covering Wisconsin in fall camp of 2007. So I hope he does well, but the early returns there, not great. Not great. So we'll see how it plays out. All right, coming back on the other side, going to play a little overreaction or no? You're listening to Temple in Heilprint. This is Temple in Heilprint, live from Mox Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. Yes, welcome back into Temple and Heilprin. We're live at Monk's Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie. As usual, happy hour. Love it here. Uh, 3 to 7, Monday through Friday. Free upgrades on 22-ounce mugs, $2 off appetizers. You can, uh, that won't, leading into trivia, starting on the 30th, uh, Monday the 30th, it'll start at 7, so it won't be happy hour. But you can get, you can, you can get here, have food, eat, get some drinks, and then do trivia every Monday here at Monks in Sun Prairie. 
All right, Jesse, let's play a little overreaction or no. Braden Locke going to make his, and we'll, we'll do a little bit more on Braden Locke in the next segment, but Braden Locke's going to make his uh, first start on Saturday against Illini. This is an overreaction or no. This is not me saying this. This is just the vibe that I'm saying this from perhaps somebody that may have said this to me. Um, I saw enough of Braden Locke last week to know he's not the future. Such- Burkett and Evers should be getting playing time. Is that an overreaction or no? Such a massive overreaction. <laughs> it's absurd. I went back and rewatched, especially the third quarter of the Iowa game. Thank you. And um, So we didn't have to do it. <laughs> well, he was thrown into. I, I would say that is about as tough of a situation as you can be thrown into for your first legitimate reps. Now, we threw one pass late, and I think it was the victory against Georgia Southern. But the first two drives that he had that were actual full drives that he was in, yeah. he led scoring drives, and I know they were both field goals, but I saw some good things on those Go possessions. Like, he completed an 11-yard pass over the middle to Chimray DK, where one of Iowa's defensive linemen absolutely annihilated him, and he stood in, and he, he completed the pass. He made a really smart decision where he had a shovel pass to Braylon Allen that went for a first down. They went two for 17 on third down. Both of the conversions came on that drive. So, And then the next drive, he had a couple of really nice throws, too. I saw a, they were backed up at their own seven, and he, he went through his progressions on the field, went from right to left, and completed a pass to Chimray for a first down. And I thought those were really good signs. Obviously, Wisconsin didn't do anything on the last five drives, and he turned the ball over a couple times. But it is way too early for me to say that he, he is not ready. This is his first week where he gets to actually practice as the starter. And as for the questions, and I've received them too, Zach, about Miles Burkett or Nick Evers, and, man, I hope they put a package in for Nick Evers. I can only tell you what we saw in practice. And, granted, the last practice that we saw was about the second or third week of August, so it's been a couple of months. No other quarterback was anywhere close to Braden Locke. And you can tell me if you disagree with that, but Miles Burkett, in terms of the reps that we saw, not close, and Nick Evers was so far behind. It was one of the most surprising developments for me when I think about the excitement level for the quarterback group coming in. And Phil Longo said it multiple times. You will not get in the practice reps if you don't understand everything you have to do as a quarterback, and he did not. So while he's got athleticism and a good arm, based on what we saw, he just wasn't ready. Well, the other thing we don't know about, obviously, is how Phil Longo feels about it. Yes. Because you mentioned the last time we saw those quarterbacks. That's also the last time we talked to Phil Longo. So uh, we don't necessarily know how he feels about the, those those situations. We know that he had uh, that there was something left to be desired in terms of Nick Evers pre- preparing and being ready uh, to step on the field, right? I mean, that was certainly, I think, a question that a lot of people had. And if you don't – and he even mentioned it in the – remember the Big Ten was here and they did their, their day – at Wisconsin, and he did his interview, and he was like, "We got a we got a guy in our room that has you know, uh, the, is the most athletic and the best player, you know, the best you know physically is the best guy, and he just can't put him out there because he doesn't know what he's doing." It's, he wasn't talking about Miles Burkett there, <laughs> all right. He wasn't right. talking about Cole Crew. He's talking about Nick Evers. It's quite possible in the last two months, players have developed behind the scenes and done enough things where they can warrant an opportunity, but. I think that is part of the challenge at this stage, and I, I will say it for people who are listening. I know I mentioned this on the camp earlier in the week, but I've gotten a lot of questions about why haven't you pressed Phil Longo about this? Why are we only hearing from Luke Fickle? And that is because no assistant coach has been made available to reporters, and I, I requested to talk to Phil this week, and the answer was no, and I can understand why this week of all weeks would have been a difficult situation to come out and talk. On the other hand, he is the offensive coordinator, and he is kind of the 
voice of not only the quarterbacks but all the offensive players. And Luke is the one who's got to answer these questions as more of a defensive guy. So it's difficult for us as reporters who are trying to get answers for readers and fans to give you the answers because we haven't had an opportunity to hear that perspective. Yeah, no, it's it's unfortunate. I will say this uh, during the bye week. Got word that they that they did some threes, and uh, you know Miles Burkett had a good had a good uh, drive that ended with everyone's favorite wide receiver that they haven't seen, Tretch Kakahuna. Tretch Kakahuna catching a touchdown. Your first Tretch mention on Temple and Heilprin of all time. I don't think it's going to be the last. I think he's. I think we'll see more of him at some point in his career. Probably just not going to be this year. Fell. I think fell too far behind because of the injury. But uh, there was a Tretch Kakahuna sighting during their bye week. All right. Overreaction or no? The most important game left on Wisconsin's schedule is Ohio State. Also an overreaction in my mind, while it would be the most scintillating victory on Wisconsin's schedule. Yes. I mean, it would be one of the biggest wins for the program in a long, long time, and perhaps the result of the Ohio State-Penn State game has to do with this, but let's just say that Ohio State wins, is still undefeated, is still in the top three, and then comes in here in prime time in the Badgers. With Luke Fickle on the sideline, with all of his Ohio State ties having to win that game, it would be monstrous. But to me, the answer, at this point at least, is Minnesota. I think it has a lot to do with the rivalry. It has a lot to do with P.J. Fleck. And I think what he said in December when they signed Martin Owusu, the defensive lineman, and he said that Wisconsin tried to negative recruit against them. And when you, I believe you asked uh, Fickle about it, he didn't have any idea what... <laughs> he knew exactly what I was talking about. Was But in terms of Fleck saying it was negative recruiting. Yeah. Um, and Minnesota's won two straight games for the first time in this series since I believe 93-94 so that rivalry still matters um, and I guess I'm saying that also with the assumption that Wisconsin may not necessarily be in the Big Ten West championship hunt by that stretch now right. if they beat Ohio State I think that clearly changes the trajectory because this is still a Wisconsin team that has only one loss in conference play but in my mind I'm going with Minnesota because of what that rivalry means I think that's, I think that's fair I do think that's fair I do, though, feel like I need to apologize to all the listeners out there uh, for our language on <laughs> Wednesday's show. We used a word that is not to be used. I think I did, right? Well, I used it once. Okay. And then you used it twice. Wow. I had to bleep it out. Can I say it? No, because I don't want to have to go back and bleep it out. Well, then they're going to think it's a really bad word. Well, I mean, the, the E word is a bad, bad word when it comes Can to I using spell it. it? No. All right. No. Well, it's a word that PJ Fleck uses quite often. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody wants to. Nobody wants to hear that e word. All right. So it rhymes I, with I, feet. Defeat. It rhymes with defeat. It doesn't. There you go. It, it doesn't rhyme with feet. No. I, you know. <laughs> defeat. You were an English. You were an English major. Weren't you? I was. Okay. English literature, though. You know, oh, they take yeah, some yeah, liberties. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I got you. I got you. Um, all right. Another one here. Overreaction or no? Iowa clearly the best team in the West. They won't lose another regular season game. Also think that is. Um, is that an overreaction? No. I right. also think it's an overreaction. And I know their schedule looks pretty good here the last five games. The four of them are against West Division teams that haven't been particularly good, as well as Rutgers. But I don't know how you can sit here and say with that offense, which I, uh, our Iowa beat writer, Scott Dockerman, sent us a picture today in our group Slack of a T-shirt that said uh, something like uh, having reasonable expectations, and it said drive for 325, and it was crossed out and said drive for 225. <laughs> so with that offense, I don't know how you can sit here and say they're a lock to win the last five games. Deacon Hill, legit Big Ten starting quarterback. He's 2-0. Uh, final one here. Jim Harbaugh in the middle of more controversy, though he has said he has no idea what anybody's talking about. What do you, what do you mean, stealing signs? I have no idea what you're talking about. 
This will be his final year at Michigan. Is that an overreaction or no? I think I'm going to clean sweep here to say that uh, it's an overreaction. And the reason that I say that is because I feel like you can get away with a lot when you go to the college football playoff every year. And right now, Michigan is number two in the country, 7-0. and I'm not talking about getting fired. I'm talking about just leaving. Walking away and yes. going to, like, the NFL or something. Yes. St- tired, tired of having to deal with it. Like, say they go to the college football playoff again, yeah. and this is wide open this year. I think this is as wide open as it's ever been. If they don't win it this year, if a Big Ten team doesn't win this year, I don't know if they ever will. Georgia's going to be without Brock Bowers for the rest of the regular Sounds like for the rest of the regular season. He kind of saved games already this year. It, it's wide open. It's wi- You have to do it this year if you're Jim Harbaugh. And if he does, he's gone for sure. So you think? So not an overreaction. Well, in my mind, I think he's... He'll still be here after. This. Yeah, I think this is final. This is this is this could be his final year okay. at, at Michigan. So, all right, going to come back on the other side. Going to preview Illinois and Wisconsin game coming up two thirty on Saturday on FS1. We'll uh, break it all down. You're listening to Temple and Heilprint. This is Temple and Heilprint live from Mox Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. Welcome back into Temple and Heilprin, live at Mugs Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie, as we are every Thursday. Jesse, let's get into a little uh, Illinois and Wisconsin here. It is Braden Locke's debut as a starter. Uh, he has 31 career attempts, passing attempts. 30 of them came against Iowa, <laughs> completed 15 of them. Also turned the ball over twice, had an interception, also had a fumble. I guess we can put the... Uh, Safety on him as well. He fumbled that one, though Riley Malman came back to, to get the uh, recovery. Big-time play by him. He would have been, well, nah. Either way. Uh, Brayden Locke, you had an opportunity to chat with uh, some of his family, I know. And you now, I know you, we, we've talked about his favorite, your favorite Brayden Locke story. It was him, uh, him and Phil Longo talking deep into the night, almost missing dinner. And then, like, three hours later, just football guys in when he came on his visit last December, or maybe it was January. Um, but you have a new story. You have a new favorite story uh, for Braden Locke. I do. My, yeah, my old favorite story was the one I heard that you were referencing where they got back from dinner, and it was 8, and they were in the hotel lobby until 11, literally drawing up plays on napkins. It was just Locke and Longo, which tells you all you need to know about why. Football, dude. Yeah, why Locke is here. But... I had a chance to talk to Braden's dad this week, and he told me this story about, so when Braden was four years old, their bedtime routine was this. His dad would read him a story, and then he had this. I looked it up on eBay. You can still buy this for like 85 bucks, so may, maybe you could invest in this if you want to. But he had this red 13-inch color television with a DVD player of Lightning McQueen, which is a character from the Cars. movie Cars. And he also had a commemorative DVD from the national championship game from that 2005 season when Texas beat USC, the, yep. the classic Vince Young running for a touchdown, 41-38 victory. How old was he? Number one versus number two. Well, at the time, he was four years old. We're old, man. Yeah. So he would listen to the bedtime story, then he would turn on his TV, and he would watch this game and fall asleep to it every night, not for a week, not for a month, for more than a year (laughs) darn near two years and his dad said that he's memorized every play and basically could tell you everything about that game in terms of commentary and what happened which i would believe if you've watched the same thing over for almost two years and so that's my favorite story because to me 
that's the very first film study that Braden Locke had, and, and now we know that's, that's what he's become known for, is his knowledge and understanding and as much pride as he takes in breaking down film. So that, that is my new favorite Braden Locke story. It's a great one, and it, it does. It helps us even understand him more and what he was talking about this week, saying, my mind is my best attribute. I will say, I feel like, and maybe you disagree, having watched the game back, I felt like his arm had a little more pop to it than maybe we certainly more than we saw in spring, and maybe even more than we saw in the fall camp. I think so, and maybe that was just maybe he's a little chinged up. Well, the the I mean the completion percentage obviously wasn't great, but I think the ones that he delivered were had good arm strength and. I don't know. Uh, maybe something's happened here the last few months, but I, I think it's also fair to say that he had a full offseason in the strength program, and that's something that Luke Fickle mentioned on Monday yeah. as well, is that obviously he is very well known for being in the film room, but he said some of the things that we do with our quarterbacks may not be things that other programs do with their quarterbacks, and so that physicality maybe has something to do with the arm strength. Matt drills. It's got to be the Matt drills, It's right? got to be the Matt drills. Those were before spring practice, though. True, but there's still I guarantee there's not other programs th- putting their quarterbacks yeah, in there. What about their hands? What about their hands? <laughs> I doubt. I remember those conversations. I remember that, that was a that was a talking point uh, with with Brady Collins a little bit. Like, yeah. what about their hands? Yeah. Um, expectation. My, Go ahead. Well, my other favorite Braden story that I learned from his dad is that when he first started playing football, he was nine years old, and they put him at tight end. And his dad was a high school center and tried to teach him how to block. <laughs> so he goes out there for his very first Pee Wee football game. He gets flagged for holding on three consecutive plays. <laughs> it's first and forty, and the coach pulls him out, and he doesn't play at all the rest of the game. So they need somewhere to put him, and they stick him at quarterback for the second game. And it turns out, oh, he's pretty good. He's played quarterback ever since. That's great. That's great. And him and his brother, and he was he was asked about that. Like, did your dad ever play? Yeah, did your dad ever ever play quarterback? And he laughed at it. I, and I, I bet you Trey was like, I bet you Trey got a good laugh out of that too. Um, yeah. you know, I mean, like hearing your son like just laugh like out loud when asked if you had anything, if you were a quarterback or you did, if you played football, if you did anything like that. He was a center. He played center in high school, and that was the extent of it. But his kids, obviously, Brayden and Landon, who will be a. Uh, part of the 2025 class for Wisconsin, uh, just had football in their hands from, from very early on, just flipping it around, and uh, that's some of, Braden said, some of his earliest memories. So expectations for yeah. Braden Locke come Saturday against Illinois. Well, my thing is I don't really think they're going to drastically alter the offense because this offense, while it is as important to have a strong running game, is also built around having a quarterback throw the ball. And so maybe the, the expectations are you're not going to ask him to win the game with a ton of deep shots, and maybe it's more underneath throws or throws into the flat, a lot of stuff that we saw Mordecai do. My expectations, I think, are, you know, put him in a position to succeed. And frankly, it's let's if you're Wisconsin, let's not have third and long every time because their average distance on third down against Iowa was almost seven yards. But I think he's going to throw the ball 25 plus times in a game like this yeah so it's looking like the weather i mean it might not be extremely extremely conducive to a lot of passing i mean they it's going to be in the mid 60s allegedly but it, the uh, wind gusts in excess of 40 miles per hour and uh you know winds 16 20 miles an hour it may not be conducive to a lot of throwing but they're gonna have they will throw the ball yeah however however i think what we saw you mentioned those two drives yeah. that they started the second half with and maybe you know what i'm about to say what they do in the to, to get those those drives going they ran the ball and braylon had some really strong runs yes so the running game has to be has to be a part of this yeah 
Um, and I think that maybe that goes into my next question is what, what one player needs to step on offense to help Braden Locke? I was going to say before you even brought it up that it has to be Braylon Allen. I don't know how you can say it's anybody else. And Fickle mentioned on Monday that he felt like, and I think he actually said this Saturday after the Iowa game, he felt like Braylon ran as hard as he had seen him run to this point. And he had some really strong moments, but I'm not going to put it on a wide receiver because if a wide receiver is going to make a play, it's because Braden is putting a ball in that general direction. And so you've got to put it on the ground game. Um, that starts obviously with the offensive line, but they don't have Chesma Lucy. They don't have Tanner Mordecai. Your best running threat right now is Braylon Allen, and he's got to be a guy that carries the load here maybe 20 times. I don't know. I mean, I think it's interesting if you look. The first four games when Chesma Lucy was healthy, Braylon averaged 13 carries a game. I know he had a handful of pass receptions. The last two games, he's averaging 19 and a half carries. He had 18 against Iowa and 21 the week before, and I think that's kind of the formula here. It is. I think the offensive line has to play a huge game because Definitely. the front for Illinois, led by Howard, the uh, an All-American uh, defensive tackle is going to be a huge, huge challenge for them. And I think uh, I think they've been solid, but they need to be better than solid. Do they not? They need to be more than solid. They need to be the offensive line that a lot of people thought they, they can be. They need to open up. They need to open up holes. They need to protect. They need to, they need, I'm not going to say the E word, but they need to be at a, at a different level. They need to be at a different level than what we've seen to this point for them. Again, they haven't been bad. They just haven't been dominant. Brett Bielema likes to re- refer to his top guys up front on defense as the law firm of Newton and Randolph, and those <laughs> those are the two guys that. Have what did I say, it. Howard? Yeah, well, no, I think you're bad. thinking of Jamel Howard, the, the D yeah, lineman at Wisconsin. But but those two guys, I mean, they feels like they've been around forever. They're putting up numbers this year, and so absolutely, this is a game where Wisconsin's offensive line they can't just be solid to me they've got to be dominant i don't know how many games this year you can say they were dominant now purdue they moved the ball very well no purdue's not very good but they had three touchdowns on the first three drives this is one of those physical in the trenches type of games just like iowa and we saw what happened against iowa you got to be able to more effectively control that if you're illinois are you scared of wisconsin's passing game no yeah so i think it's going to be even more difficult to have success on the ground but you have to be able to do it they had some success against against Iowa. I thought that there were moments of success against Iowa in the, in the run game, especially early in the second half. They, they just couldn't keep it going. And a lot of that had to do with penalties. Cannot cannot get into the, the third and two or the second and, you know, second and four situations and put yourself behind the sticks again uh, against good defenses. And again, Illinois is not a great defense, but you can't consistently do that and be a successful offense. Well, think of it they had at least five plays of third and ten or longer against Iowa, and a couple of those were penalties, and the one that comes to mind is third and one, and Riley Mallman gets flagged for a false start. Now, that was one of those rare times where Wisconsin went under center, which... Trying to be who they're not. Yes, um, but they didn't have a third and one that entire game. That obviously turned into a third and six. You get five yards, and then you put yourself in a spot where it's fourth and one, and you should convert, but if you don't, you see what happens. So, absolutely, this all goes together. Yeah, for sure. One thing that scares should scare Wisconsin about Illinois, or one player, I guess, or one no one thing, one thing. Right. So when you asked this question initially, and I looked at it, my answer was going to be that I would not pick a single player per se. I think it's more the mentality that Illinois is going to bring to this game, and I think my thought process immediately goes to what happened last year. I know these are different teams. Obviously, Wisconsin brought seventeen transfers in. It's a completely different coaching staff. But what happened last year? Illinois out-physicaled Wisconsin. They out-Wisconsined Wisconsin, and that just absolutely can't happen. I don't think it's going to happen this year because the players who are a part of that have made it clear how 
that sticks in their craw, understandably so. Jake Cheney said it's personal. And I was talking to Daryl Peterson. He said, I, we got out physical, we got outplayed. And he said, that won't be happening on Saturday. But I do think that's something to be looking at in a game like this. It's a huge thing. And I, they can say all they want. They got out physical last Saturday yep. against Iowa. And Iowa talked about it afterwards. They said they, we, we knew coming into this one they couldn't, they couldn't hang with us. And we wanted to make sure that they knew that they couldn't. And we did. I mean, there was a picture of Iowa's tailback that he posted on Instagram of him shaking a... Uh, he didn't actually end up shaking the tackle. He got tackled, but it was him, like, cutting back on Hunter Waller, and it was dead effing body. That's what he tagged the picture as. Hmm. That's that's the type of mentality that they think of Wisconsin right now because of this change, I think, because of this change in how they go about offense. They think... A lot of teams think they can come out and, and out-physical them. They did last week. Illinois, I'm sure. I'm sure Bielma is pounding home the exact same message. So, it's going to be that'll be huge. That'll be that'll be definitely big going into Saturday. So, all right, coming back on the other side, we're going to make our week eight picks. We're live at Monk's Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie. This is Temple in Heilprin, live from Monk's Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. Welcome back in Temple and Heilprin. We're at Monk's Bar and Grill. Some baseball going on. Bottom of the ninth. NLCS, Arizona, and Philadelphia. We're cheering for Arizona because Ben Kenny can't be happy. That's We aren't happy if Ben Kenny's happy. Your former partner here on this show. Yes, yes. Much, much happier here right now with you, Jesse, of course. Um, all right, let's get into our week eight picks. We'll get to Wisconsin and Illinois. The first game that uh, stands out to me is Minnesota at Iowa. It is Iowa favored by three and a half. The over-under in that game, 32 and a half. Iowa ranked 24th in the country coming in off of uh, their huge, huge win against Wisconsin. It's amazing to me that the over-under in this is somehow lower than the over-under of Wisconsin, Iowa, is it, which though? was 34 and a half. Is it surprising? Yeah, I guess not. I mean, it's got to be the lowest over-under of the week. This oh, is a, by far. This is a tough one because Minnesota's not very good. Lost a couple weeks ago to Michigan by six touchdowns and obviously blew that three-touchdown lead to Northwestern. I guess I'm inclined to go with, hmm, I'm going to go Minnesota on this one anyway. I just <laughs> Anytime I see Iowa favored by more than a field goal, it's hard for me to conceptualize them actually scoring that many. I don't know why either one of us picked Wisconsin last week. Yeah, what that were was we insane. thinking? Nine and a half? What were we doing? Because I predicted 20 to 10. What were we doing? Well, I didn't um, know Tanner Mordecai was going to break his hand, even though they were not very good when he was healthy. I was going to say, we can't <laughs> use that as an excuse. Um, I'm going to go, because of Tory Taylor, I'm going to go with Iowa okay. here. Uh, I think his his punting is the three-and-a-half-point difference there for uh, the Hawkeyes. Uh, another one in the Big Ten, Michigan and all their controversy, ranked number two in the country, going to Michigan State. Uh, they are 24-point favorites. Michigan State was asked if they even wanted to play this game. Because because of the uh, the accusations that the accusations that are happening in um, Ann Arbor, where they're stealing signals, so they are going to play the game. Uh, Michigan State came out and said it, but twenty four point favorites Michigan is another tough one because in a rivalry game like this, that is a really big point spread. But Michigan's undefeated, number two in the country, and Michigan State's lost four straight games and. It's just not a very good football team this year. Um, I'm going to go Michigan on this one. Me too. It's uh, Again, I think they're going to come out and play. 
upset. They already have their signals. Yeah. Like, they, you know, so I think they're going to come out, play upset. It's going to be a, a difficult game, I think, for Michigan State because Michigan State ain't any good. No. There's not. Um, all right. Another one in the Big Ten. Oh, no, we'll go to the SEC. Okay. Tennessee traveling to Alabama, 17th ranked Volunteers, 11th ranked uh, Crimson Tide. Alabama favored by nine and a half. This is a little bit of a revenge game after what happened last year with the walk-off field goal from Tennessee. They took the goalposts. They did a story. I don't know if you saw this story. They did a story of like where all the different pieces of the goalposts ended up. It was pretty cool. I like Alabama to win, but I like Tennessee to cover in this one. I just... Alabama doesn't feel like the Alabama that we've grown accustomed to under Nick Saban. They're coming off a 24-21 win against an Arkansas team that I think is 2-5, and and there have been some other close games along the way. So I think Tennessee goes in there and keeps it close. So I like Tennessee. I think this place is going to be jacked to the... <clears throat> like, I, I would expect... I think this is a game that they've been looking forward to. They know what happened last year. Tennessee never beats Alabama. So, I'm, I, again, it's, it is not the Alabama of old. But I'm gonna I'm gonna give uh, I'm gonna give it to Alabama here. Go back to the Big Ten, or no? We'll go out to the uh, Pac-12. Utah traveling to USC. Utah 14th ranked in the country. USC 18th. USC is a seven-point favorite, coming off an absolute beatdown. Eh, a pretty good beatdown by Notre Dame on the road. 48 to 20 is. I, 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 you stopped yourself. I want to say absolute beatdown, <laughs> but it was a pretty good beatdown. Yeah. <sighs> feel like my confidence level in in uh in usc it took a major hit with that notre dame losses i thought they were going to cruise um i'm going to go with utah on this one i don't think they're necessarily going to win but it'll be much like the tennessee game i think this is a closer type of game their defense isn't i mean utah's or uh, usc's defense is just not any good right and kale Williams, i think he he's putting up numbers man he's putting up numbers but utah's defense did a solid job on him last year. I remember watching that game coming back from Michigan State last year and it was a heck of a scene. This one obviously at, at USC, but I still like Utah's defense better and Utah's offense hasn't been what it needed to be without uh, the quarterback that tore his ACL in the Rose Bowl last year. I'm trying to... No? Alright. Uh, his name is on the top of my and the tip of my tongue, but I can't remember it. Um, so I'm going to go to Utah. Rising. Thank you. I'm going to go to Utah. I'm going to go Utah as well. Penn State traveling to Ohio State, seventh-ranked Penn State, third-ranked Buckeyes. Ohio State a four and a half point favorite in the shoe. I very much like Penn State as four and a half point dogs here. I mean, they are really good this year. Drew Lars come on. He's got twelve touchdown passes, no picks, and uh, just Ohio State. They feel sort of gettable, even though this is a massive game and they've got a primetime audience at home. Um, but I think I like Penn State in this one. It's a primetime game. Well. No, it's, it's an 11 a.m. game. You're right. <laughs> in the uh, shoe. Yeah, uh, I, I, I'm going to I'm going to take Ohio State as well. And all right, excuse me, I'm going to take Ohio State. I, okay. I think that passing game, they they have not been able to run. I think neither team, or I should say, uh, I don't think either team's going to be able to run the ball very well. I'm going to give a slight edge to Ohio State passing the ball when they are able to protect. They have been able to uh, to tear teams up, and I think obviously Marvin Harrison Jr., fantastic player, and I'm going to take Ohio State keep them unbeaten and It'd be more interesting it, keep them unbeaten bring them to madison seven to no next week for a primetime game yeah six thirty. i was confusing the two yeah six thirty kickoff ahead. all right and the game of the the game of the day wisconsin traveling to illinois to take on the illini wisconsin two and a half point favorites as jesse pointed out earlier in the show it's the smallest spread 
of any uh, Wisconsin-Illinois matchup since 2008 when Illinois was favored. If this point spread was any larger, I would be inclined to pick Illinois. I think this is... Look, Wisconsin absolutely has to have this game. You can't go down there and lose another time to Illinois, coming off a bad loss to Iowa and right before you play Ohio State. I think Wisconsin squeezes this one out 20-17, to 17, and therefore I think the Badgers cover. I'm gonna I'm gonna take an I'm taking Illinois not just to cover or to you know I'm gonna take them to win. Picking the Illini outright. I old. I, I think what happened last week at Maryland gives them confidence. I think Wisconsin. We can talk about personal, right? We can say, oh, this it's it's gonna be personal. Well, guess what? The the Washington State game was personal, right? Mm-hmm. They came into our place. Now we're gonna go out there to their place. It was Muma Jong Meta, who's not even playing anymore, saying that like it. I doesn't. I don't care about that stuff. I just don't. They are going to be playing a backup quarterback. They're playing. They have one running back that they can count on. They have an offensive line that hasn't been dominant, and they're playing against a defensive line that is very, very good. How much of the passing game can they take advantage of? That's that's the biggest question. I don't even know how much I look at last year necessarily. I look at it more from the standpoint of Illinois just hasn't been particularly good this year. But you're right. Maybe they found some mojo with that win against Maryland. I just, boy. There's been so much down uh, performances here the last three years for Wisconsin. It's kind of tough to wrap the head around what would happen if they <laughs> lose this and then have to play Ohio State next week. But we've seen it happen before. Again, I, I've, I've lost confidence in in what this team can do. They put up set, the teams that they, they they put up 17 points right against Rutgers. They put up six points against Iowa. How do you? How do you sit there and say, oh, yeah, I feel really confident this offense is going to go on the road and put up points? Oh, I don't feel confident, but it's two and a half points, and I think the batters will find a way to get it done. Yeah, so, again, it's we'll see how it plays out. I'm looking forward to it. We'll see you down there. Then we'll be back next Thursday here at Monks in Sun Prairie. You've been listening to Temple and High Old Print.